This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a podcast from Minute Media. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Please welcome your hosts, Matt Connor and Sterling Holmes. Victory Monday, baby. Welcome to the Arrowhead Addict Podcast with Matt Connor and Sterling Holmes. I am Sterling Holmes. As you can tell, I am absolutely stoked. Matt Connor. Stoked. How you doing? Stoked. Hella of a win. Every here's what I know. I've watched the movie Inside Out. I recognize all the emotions on the spectrum there. I felt every single one of them watching that Chiefs game. I was the red anger guy. I felt joy in the end. I was like sorrow, confusion, whatever else is going on there. That was a man, what a wild ride. The Chiefs tried to play a game of how many heart attacks can we give Sterling uh, before they decided to say, you know what, we're just going to go ahead and win it. Like Mahomes and Tyreek Hill legitimately did that meme of the bleep it Tyreek down there somewhere. That was their turning point. Chris Jones coming up absolutely huge, dominated an entire quarter. There's just so much to get into. You know what? I'll let you take it from here. We got a quick thing we got to do. And then we're going to talk so much chiefs. I'm stoked. So, so much chiefs after a close call of a win like that. I just want to say that if you want to avoid other such potential close calls that cut a little too close, a little too close for what you'd like, <laughs> let me just introduce you to our sponsor, uh, manscaped 4.0, the lawnmower Gets the job done like Patrick Mahomes in the fourth quarter. It's there where you need it. It helps you see downfield where you need to go. (laughs) It cuts right to the chase, but not... You get what I'm saying, folks. 7,000 RPM. I don't even really know what that does. I'm sure someone, engineer somewhere could tell you. (laughs) But it all sounds impressive. Trust me, it is impressive. Uh, look, you got to conduct your business, do it with care, handle yourself like a pro, avoid the close calls and, and the, and the emotional roller coaster that could happen on the other side by going to manscaped.com subscribe fan cited is the code to get 20% off and look free shipping. We don't highlight that enough. It's free shipping 20% off. It's a great deal. Great deal. Great product. Great company. Our friends at manscaped get it done let's talk some chiefs my friend dude let's do it 
let hey, let me start with this. The NFL 100 comes out before the season. The Chiefs have four players in the top 50, five in the top 60, right? Matthew was out this game, so we only got four. But if if you're thinking, what does it take to go over the top in the NFL? The Browns have a loaded roster, top to bottom, right? Like they're a, they're a great team. But when you have those guys, like the guys better than all the other guys, right? Like, like you were talking, like Chris Jones is on that list. Cubs up huge. Mahomes, Kelsey, Hill, like, like all the guys who put the Chiefs, like who willed the Chiefs to the opening win were all those guys who were like on that list. It's like in a game filled with elite athletes, having the best is what puts you over the top. And it makes me appreciate the job that Brett Veach does to go, yeah, I'm not just going to try to fill this hole. I'm going to go out swinging. And you see a game like this and you think, oh, yeah, this is why Veach always goes for the best of the best of the best at these positions because that's what it really takes to win like the big games in the NFL. Yeah, Baker Mayfield was very good. Patrick yeah. Mahomes was the best. Yes. Uh, Jarvis Landry, very good. Tyree Kill was the best. David Njoku, very good. I'll touch more on him later. Travis Kelsey was the best. Cleveland Browns kept trying to hang their hat on, well, 1-53, to or if you want to say 2-53 to outside of Patrick Mahomes, the roster was better. And I go, did Travis Kelsey all of a sudden no longer a chief? Is Tyree Kill no longer a chief? And again, no Tyron Matthew, so obviously there. Miles Garrett, Chris Jones, you know, both you can say comparable. Chris Jones had himself a ridiculous game, especially late. Miles Garrett, to his credit, also had five pressures against a very good tackle in Orlando Brown Jr. But the Chiefs just had too much top-end elite talent. When it mattered, who was getting open? Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, Mahomes. Always seems to be one step faster than whoever is chasing him. It just doesn't get... It doesn't get tired watching these three guys do what they do. I know it's early in their careers. You can't say they're the best trio of all time, but are they the most explosive? If this continues, would they be the best trio of all time? Because it just seems Travis Kelsey gets open whenever he wants to. Tyreek Hill gets open downfield whenever he wants to. Mahomes makes throws that legitimately no one else in the NFL can even dream of making. It's just, it's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, I, I remember even like tweeting that out during the game, just saying, don't forget we're watching Hall of Famers in their prime. Like, I just never, I never want to forget, like, in the emotion of the game or in, like, let's say the doldrums of the season. Like, at some point, let's be honest, we'll reach November and the Chiefs will be playing the Broncos for the second time. And, like, you know, some of the emotion subsides, you know, we get kind of bored as we're waiting on, like, the postseason where it like all really matters. And I, I gotta be honest, I don't want to do that. I don't want to forget that, like, hey, what I'm watching right now is golden. What I'm watching right now is what I waited for for a long time. And like week after week, it might seem to get ordinary again. But the bottom line is, man, we are lucky as can be to watch these guys do their thing. And if you watch them interact, they totally know it. They know that they're lucky to be together and they're, they're just enjoying the ride. I love it. 
I also want to say before we get into position groups and, and touch on all of that fun stuff, some Browns fans are acting like they blew the game because a, a fumbled punt, you know, for, for a play here and there without giving credit to what the defense was able to do, how the offense was able to come back because the first half, the Browns, in my opinion, played as perfect as they possibly could. Kevin Stefanski did a hell of a job in the first half, extremely yeah. aggressive going for on that fourth down when Chris Jones had the offsides uh, They went for the two point conversion and got it. They made the, the chiefs play from behind. They, for as equally aggressive as they were in the first half, they just let off the gas. How many times back in the past did we see Andy Reid do something similar? You get a lead, you try to run the clock out. Well, guess what? Too much time left on the clock. Kevin Stefanski, I think, will learn from this. I think the Browns played a fantastic game, but just let that sink in. The Browns played nearly perfect, and the Chiefs were still able to come back. A lot of folks have the Browns as, what, the third best team in the AFC, a playoff team. The Chiefs' first time with this offensive line against yeah. a great defense, one of the best defensive fronts, able to still hang 33, able to come back. Just to me, this says more about Kansas City and the Chiefs than it does the Cleveland Browns. That's yeah. just how good Kansas City is. Cleveland Browns, nothing to be sad about. You played a very good game. Chiefs, just better. Yeah. Yeah. I, look, I want to give credit to the Browns here because they had a hell of a game plan early. Executed it to perfection, right? Stefanski was just looking like a coaching genius. Nick Chubb. I mean, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt were running through our defense, through the Chiefs defense, like like a knife through through melted butter like it, it was it was cra it was it was insane to watch except it was the same feeling i got whenever like lev bell used to be the patient runner for the steelers that he was and you know he's gonna run he he does that stutter step thing and you're like you're like that dude's gonna get a first down and we won't be able to stop it and we know it and we couldn't do it so yeah you know the brown look the the browns lost to a a great team. If you were watching the Buffalo bills yesterday, right? Yeah. Do you really think they're number two? Like, yeah, like yes, <laughs> you do. Cause, cause I'm watching this Browns team and I'm thinking, you know what? They didn't have some key players too. Jedrick Wills went out the left sure. tackle, you know, Odell wasn't even in the game at all. Grant Delpit and uh, uh, the, the safety. I mean, they were missing some key guys too, just like the chiefs. They're a very young team. They're only going to get better. They've got 16 weeks to get better. I think the Browns that we'll see at the end of the year are going to be a hell of a team. They, they, there's nothing that they should feel bad about, and they all, but they also don't need to take away credit from the Chiefs. The Chiefs are, the Chiefs are the best. That, that's sorry, they, they just are. But the Browns are a hell of a team. No, the Browns are a hell of a team. They proved a lot to me. I think that they are more ready than I've maybe given credit for. I still think the Bills are the second best team. I'm not going to make just rash judgments off of one game. I know it's fun. It's exciting to do. Baker Mayfield's not all of a sudden better than Josh Allen, right? That's That that didn't happen in a one-game sample size. So I'm still going with the Bills, but I do think the Cleveland Browns might have a case for the third best team in the AFC. I do want to talk about the offensive line of Kansas City. They spent the entire offseason trying to revamp it. We all know what happened in the Super Bowl. Brought in five new faces basically to start. You know, they did a very good job rebuilding. I've seen some people angry on Twitter because of the amount of times Patrick Mahomes was under pressure. You're playing a top flight defensive line. 
You're playing one of the best, if not what, top three DNs, the NFL, and Miles Garrett. Yes. They need time to gel, right? It's going to take time. Uh, Orlando Brown has never given up five pressures in a game until this game. That's not going to happen week in and week out. Joe Tooney, I think, struggled a little bit in this game. That's not going to continue to happen. He's an all-pro left guard. Creed Humphrey was fantastic, except for those two calls where he thought he was still in Oklahoma going downfield a little too quickly. <laughs> Legal in college, not in the NFL. Trey Smith was very solid, and Lucas Niang was, I think, solid. So there's a lot of positives to take from this game. Uh, a couple things. The last sack that Mahomes took, or the, I think it was on Mahomes. I think he drifted back too far. He's probably a little bit more used to Eric Fisher, who's a more athletic left tackle. Orlando Brown's a lot bigger. Orlando Brown Jr. said it himself. He's not extremely nimble, not going to be the quickest left tackle. So when Mahomes drifts that far back, that puts a lot of pressure on this offensive line. They're going to have to take time to gel. It's not Lamar Jackson back there. Um, but overall, great takeaways. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire missed a couple of holes that I think he really should have exploded through. but they didn't get a huge push in the run game. So probably give it about a B minus as an overall grade for the offensive line. Those are my O line takeaways, but what did you see from them? Yeah, I, I was very pleased with, with the overall performance of the offensive line. Uh, Niang had a penalty. Tooney had a penalty. You talked about the pressures from uh, on Brown, but, but uh, you know, all these, every one of these guys are high ceiling guys. Tooney and Humphrey in particular are high floor guys. So they're going to be more predictable uh, and maybe even Trey Smith there too. But, but um, yeah, man, I, I, I just think the sky's the limit with this line, their communication with each other, their chemistry with Mahomes. It, it's all going to be part and parcel. As much as we say the Browns are going to be a different team in week 17, the same thing could be said of the chiefs because they're young, they're new that's just going to be what that is. I, I was a little surprised that we didn't see Jarek McKinnon in any yeah. meaningful way. I was a little surprised we didn't see uh, Doris Fountain in any meaningful way. Um, I was a little surprised that the Browns let Tyreek run as free as he did. Now, look, Tyreek runs free because he's fast, runs excellent routes, tracks the ball extremely well. Like, he's going to get open. But... We have seen defenses just key in so much by bracketing Hill deep, by sitting back that Hill just didn't have. I mean, even without the 75-yard touchdown, Tyreek Hill had 150 yards, right? So, so like, forget that one play. All day long, he's running free out there. All day long, he's getting separation. All day long, the Browns are not forcing a second receiver to rise up. So, some of the complaints on offense about like, I wish I would have seen more from McCole Hardman. I wish I would have seen more from DeMarcus. I wish I would have seen more. The, the targets just weren't there because uh, look, if Tyreek's running free, he's getting the call. That's just what that is. So I'm anxious to see, look, the Raven, the Ra that Ravens are not allowing that. The Ravens are not allowing that to happen. John Harbaugh never letting that happen. So, uh, you know, I, I, I want to see, you know, is fountain going to get some playing time? Are we going to see some of these tight ends get the, like, I'm, I'm anxious to see some of these other offensive looks. Um, we talked all off season about gotta have other dependable options with Sammy now out. Uh, 
yeah, were you hoping for some of that there or or do you think there just wasn't the opportunity like I think? No, I mean, you're, you're not going to force the ball to D-Rob. You're not forcing the ball to McCall Hardman. If Kelsey's going to shake open every single time, right. that's where I'm going. If Tyreek's going to be single coverage, hell yeah, I'm going right. to the single coverage Tyreek. If it was there, you take it time and time again. Yeah, it would have been nice to see uh, a couple of the opportunities, I think. Demarcus Robinson on one. Everyone was screaming for him. He probably wasn't going to make that first down any rate anyways, but he caught that ball, turned, and then went backwards and tried to run around. You're like, go forward. You might have been able to pick up that first down. Uh, yeah. D-Rob in the end zone, instead of coming back to the ball like Patrick was wanting to him, he, he kind of flattened out towards the uh, s- side of the end zone, didn't come back enough for Patrick's liking. Again, these are small, minor grievances that we're having right now. These are all things that can get cleaned up as the season progresses. I don't think we're going to see much Darius Fountain. I understand he had a great preseason OTAs, all that. There's going to be more snaps from McCole and D-Rob. Good, those are where the targets, and even Byron Pringle, that's where I think the targets are going to be going to. Um, again, when you have Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill, I, I don't care. They're still going to be getting a lot more targets. I know everyone wants to see a third wide receiver or a third target step up, but when you're just that good, don't go away. It's not broken. Just don't, right. If it's not broke, don't fix it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. I, I want to talk a little bit about the defense. I want to talk about the importance of role players, and then I want to look ahead to the Ravens. But before I do, I just want to say you're listening to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast uh, here with Sterling Holmes. My name is Matt Connor. We'll be right back after the break. Welcome back to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. We're talking uh, the roller coaster of a game. Be still my beating heart uh, was what I had to tell myself all game long. Let's talk about that defense. Uh, uh, You know, look, we're missing Matthew. We're missing Frank Clark. Willie Gay Jr. is going to be out for three games. Are you giving them a hall pass and saying, hey, look, we're good. We won guys missing who cares or are you concerned by what you saw for 50 of 60 minutes uh on sunday afternoon slightly concerned but also if they show up when it matters that's what you want anyways they showed up when it matters chris jones legitimately took over uh, <laughs> dan Sorensen, huge play late i mean cornerbacks Huge play late. Mike Hughes, I think he was worth that sixth-round draft pick. I mean, Nick Bolden, I think, looked really solid for most of the game. For part of the time out there, he looked like the best linebacker on the field. I'm a Mizzou guy. I get it. Maybe my eyes are a little bit blinded by that, but he looked really good. Seven tackles against two of the most physical running backs in the NFL. He does need to work a little bit on his pass coverage, but he wasn't known for that at Mizzou. It's going to take time. He's at a new level. As long as he wraps up which he did i'm happy um lamons was great and special teams my goodness did he show up one thornhill that was a tyron matthew play got his hand in there perfect defense no pass interference gets his hand last second flies out of schwartz's hand when it mattered most the defense stepped up i do think we do need to see more pressure on the defensive line i didn't think i heard reed's name one time they talked about it all offseason. They kept hyping him up. It was a great signing. I'm not going to write it off after one game, but it was a little disappointing. You get a new toy, and you don't even hear from him. It was basically Chris Jones, and then what? 
So if I had a major complaint, it would be on the defensive line outside of Chris Jones. Yeah, and I got to be honest, I'm not sure what to make of it there. Remember this. Recall with me maybe what you and I, or just in general, Chiefs Kingdom, what were we saying after the draft? Like, I feel like we back then we were going, we need to sign Melvin Ingram. We've got some real problems. Like, like let's address them. Then we get to the preseason and suddenly, oh, Mike Daniel looks better. Turk Wharton looks better. We signed Okafor. That works. Maybe we don't even really need, like we were even wondering if Okafor was going to make the final roster because we were like, oh, somehow we underestimated this D-line, and now they look super deep. One game into the regular season, suddenly I'm going, wait, maybe we were right after the draft after all. One Melvin Ingram was killer for the – Tim Ward. Right, right. I mean, <laughs> dude, I love – you know, I missed Tim Ward already, and he really didn't do anything in the in the regular season ever. So, yeah, you know, like you watch the game. Dana looked good at the very end of the game, but you're right. For the most part, you didn't hear from Wharton. You didn't hear from Reed. Colin Saunders played 10% of snaps and didn't do anything at all. Um, you know, like, like where, you know, Kando, same thing. So yeah, other than, other than Chris Jones, there's gotta be something there in the preseason. We thought it was there. Were we just mistaken? Were we swooned by the preseason? Did someone come in and steal our hearts and then fool us? And then now we're like, oh yeah, wait, we should have known it all along. We just got swayed by some by some practices and and meaningless exhibitions. I, I think that's possible. Obviously, though, I was on the Tim Ward train, so I thought Tim Ward was making it. But no, I, I do think they got swayed. And also, these are recent draft picks. They probably didn't want to cut Michael Dan after spending a fifth rounder on him last year. You just put Cornell Powell, this year's fifth rounder, on the practice squad. Uh, you drafted Joshua Kando fourth round, right? Probably don't want to cut or at least see if he makes it through to the, to the practice squad as well. They had to have some trust in their homegrown players or drafted players. They wanted to have some trust. That's why Taco Charlton was cut. They wanted to yeah. trust the guys they picked. Yeah. So I think that plays a pretty big, I would say a pretty big part in this. Again, they're all young guys. They're yeah. all guys who should develop and should grow. My only concern was, and I said it when Kando was draft, what makes him different than TK? What makes him different than a Breland Speaks? And I get it, they're different body types. Say what you will. My point is, of these developmental guys, what makes him stand out? And after game one, again, small sample size, we haven't seen a lot. So we'll see, but I don't want it to be week in and week out. Chris Jones, only a guy getting pressure. Frank Clark coming back whenever he comes back. That should obviously help, but... Until he does, who was going to step up? Yeah. Well, Andy Reid said today that Matthew's already coming back next week. So that's solved in the secondary. We're still, it sounds like, though, waiting on Frank Clark's hamstring to get right, whatever that means. And um, so, yeah, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see. If he misses another game, you got to start thinking about, okay, is this going to be a, a recurring thing? And again, let's not forget, and uh, and maybe we're beating the drum here, but no no non-quarterback in the NFL is making more money than Frank Clark. And I think even then only like five or six quarterbacks are are making more money or or have a bigger cap hit this year. So expectations, 
fair or not, that's what you get when you sign for that much money. Um, yeah, what do you think? No, 100%. He's heard a lot from Chiefs Kingdom. The one thing you can always point to and look back on is at least you can say he showed up when it matters in the playoffs. He was a major part in winning a Super Bowl. So no matter what we think about the contract, you can always look back and say, we know we at least got one. And he was a major part of that. One thing I want to touch on, the Chiefs have struggled against tight ends in the past. David Njoku is extremely athletic. I'm, I'm glad he's finally getting a chance under Kevin Stefanski because he was buried under, under uh, what was the, the guy's name? Um, the old head coach, Freddie Kitchens. He was buried yeah. and wasn't getting any playing time. I think Njoku uh, is a very talented tight end. So he, he, he showed that. And he's obviously very athletic, but he burnt past multiple cornerbacks. He burnt past Sneed and he burnt past Ward. And that makes me a little nervous. Uh, I, both those guys had, I think... A mixed bag. Ward yeah. had a couple of plays where he gave up receptions, but I think it was good defense. You know, yeah. it, it, off great offense will always beat great defense in the NFL. That's just the way the game is played in today's NFL. But that made me nervous. You can't be getting burnt multiple times, multiple players by the tight end. Yeah. Well, you know, let let's though let's reflect on the Browns work that to perfection, right? The play action, Austin Hooper. David and Joku, I mean, they've got the guys to do it. And those running backs, I mean, you know, like, I mean, they were, they were running through the defense like better because I mean, so we, what do you do? Stack the box over, over, oversell on the run. And then, and then, you know, it's, it, that we're on the other side of what other teams like Travis Kelsey, you know, Travis Kelsey's just such a mismatch because you yeah. have to respect it. It's just, but I get what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, cornerback play was not good yesterday. That needs to be said. That said, the Browns are very, very good at that aspect of their offense and what they do, which is making you look horrible on those play actions, like on the bootleg to Hooper, whatever's going on. That's tough sledding for any team. And again, we're not trying to be negative. The chiefs headed a phenomenal comeback, but I, I, we do want to point out some of the, (laughs) the areas that can be improved. We don't want to be homers. You know, I'm not just going to blindly say, Oh yeah, this, this, and that was fantastic because the chiefs won. I like to bring in a full picture around what we're talking about. Baker Mayfield was fantastic. 321 yards, you know, what did you make of the Cleveland Browns passing offense as a whole? Is Baker Mayfield taking that next step? Are they legitimately going to, is this going to be a playoff matchup? Is it, you know, what do you make of the Browns as a whole? Yeah, I think so. I th- I think we're going to see the Browns again this season. Um, and, and, and I think, you know, like Baker Mayfield is a game manager for a glorified run offense is a lazy take. He's better quarterback than than people give him credit for, and I think he's going to take another leap this year. He looks sensational. He looks sensational. And that kid, Anthony Schwartz, they drafted Anthony Schwartz in the third round um, out of Auburn. The kid runs a four two five forty. He was this year's. You know, every year someone tries to get the next Tyreek Hill, so to speak. And that kid was this year's like track star turned, uh, turned whiteout prospect. Uh, you know, they, they, they went up for him in the third round and he looked great. He looked great. And if Mayfield has that kind of target remember again, he doesn't have, he didn't have Odell in the lineup either. So this team, if they've got a deep threat, like Schwartz, 
if Odell Beckham Jr. can be in the lineup and be that sort of contested catch guy who also has deep speed, uh, you're talking, I mean, we may see Mayfield let loose a little bit and sort of put away some of the monkey on his back that he's, you know, the script that's been written about him in his first two, three seasons. Kareem Hunt made his return to Kansas City. Obviously had a touchdown on a Priest Holmes-esque jump into the jump over the offensive line into the yes. end zone. Obviously mixed feelings about it. I think what the Chiefs did, they had to do. I think the NFL runs a very weird process of if a guy does something off the field, that team has to cut them. But the second he's able to be picked up, and, and if another team picks him up like the Browns, everyone lauds them going, wow, they gave him a second chance. They had to do this. And right. they're sitting there like, well, then why did we have to cut them for another team to pick him up if that's the way it's going to go? I do think Kansas City made the right decision. You don't want all that going on in the locker room. What did you make of Kareem Hunt's return and the fan when Kareem tried to <laughs> do the arrowhead leap and the fan just pushes him down? I love it. I love it. Man, do you have, let me, let me put it back on you because like, I I guess I'll just say it this way. I have a, um, a, a mixed relationship about Kareem Hunt. And I mean, like he's for the Browns. I don't want the Browns to win. Um, and, and I am hopeful for Clyde Edwards, Elaire. That said, that said, having watched Kareem Hunt long enough in red and gold to know what he can do, having a back that dynamic, was so much fun, yeah. so much fun, and I miss seeing him. Uh, do you miss him? At least, like, let's say on the field, do you miss him? Strictly on the field, I do. One thing that irritates me to no end, though, is he acts like Kansas City released him because Kansas City wanted to release him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he it, needs that, to own that completely. He 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 always tries to act like, oh, Kansas City did him wrong. It's like, dude, are you serious? Yeah. Do you have yeah. zero responsibility for your action? Like that yeah. that just that just drives me nuts. How he has, oh, it almost feels like he has a vendetta against Kansas City for cutting him. It's like, right. it's like, <laughs> right. dude, are you? Are, do you, you not were under- released for being a horrible person and for lying? You had no right. character. And also, you were a violent, right? If he may not have lied, he might have still had a chance, right? There right. were multiple aspects about the whole situation which made it so Kansas City had no choice, or at least they felt like they had no choice. I, I just, I just don't understand that aspect that he has where he wants to prove Kansas City wrong. It's like, no, we know you're a great running back. That was never the question. Yeah, maybe there's been some revisionist history in his own head. Of, of how things went down versus just maybe, own, maybe that's easier to believe that than just own the fact that like, Oh, I was a horrible person. I got caught and then I still didn't own it and I had to leave. I mean, that's just, that's what it was. But, um, Hey, let me ask you this. I, I, I want to get in. I want to look forward a little bit. Um, but I want to talk role players for just a second. Uh, if it seems like chiefs kingdom has a really hard time, appreciating the players who kind of occupy, who kind of serve as the glue, right? Like let's take Ben Neiman as a good example of that. But there are multiple like, like Austin Ryder, like Demetrius Harris. I don't know. I'm just thinking of like different guys who, yeah. Okay. They're not as talented as some of their peers. Yeah. They, they shouldn't be tasked with 
with starring roles, whatever, right? But every roster, you have to have those guys. They've got to do like the small things, whatever. Even Dirty Dan can be on some fans' list of guys they'd like to see replaced for the sake of some, you know, some sexy young draft pick, whatever. We Why have, does a have hard to be time. sexy. Well, <laughs> you know, by the way, you guys, you can't see him, but Sterling has a mustache and he's kind of Tom Selleck. And so that makes you the sexy young draft pick here in this group. But you but don't anyway, want me playing safety. No, I don't want you playing safety. I want you here in the studio so we can do this. Here's, here's what I'm saying. Do you think in general, we lack appreciation for where we should on some of these guys who are, you know, down the depth chart, but still get playing time, et cetera. 100%. I think everyone expects every single player on the chiefs roster to be a pro bowler. That's not the reality of the situation. You want to have as many good average players as you possibly can to fill that void. Look at some of the teams around the league. The Jets probably have 30 players who are below average to bad. How many below average to bad players are on Kansas City? Like Ben Neiman would, he might be a starter on the Jets, right? You know, Dan Sorensen might be one of the best defensive players on the Giants. So it it comes in waves. Dan Sorensen has always been a weird case because fans have either thought he was way up here. Like he was just this phenomenal safety. Always clutch, right player, right time. And other fans always thought that he was horrible and not not fast enough, couldn't guard people, constantly getting burnt. When I think he's just, he is what he is. He's a, a very good backup. If he's starting, you're like, okay, maybe not our first choice, but he's fine. You yeah. know, he, Ben Neiman, kind of the same way. I, you know, I don't think Ben Neiman by any means is some stud. I don't think he's, but he's also not this horrible player. He's okay. Yeah. He's one of those guys that you need because not everyone on your roster is going to be a pro bowler. Not everyone's going to be able to get paid $10 million to be a backup. Ben Neiman wouldn't be starting right now if Willie Gay Jr. wasn't hurt. So, no, I I think we we do need to have some more appreciation for some of these unsung guys who are thrust into these roles that otherwise they wouldn't be in. Even Dan Sorensen probably wouldn't be playing as much if Juan Thornhill wasn't coming back from injury. I mean, these yep. are all aspects. They're tasked with jobs that they re- originally, their contracts weren't set up to be. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah, I'm in, I'm in total agreement with you. I, I just, I guess I wanted to have a little segment for the unsung hero. Here's to you, Ben Neiman. Here's as, to you, Mike Rimmers. As we pick up a glass of Boulevard wheat and just drink it down. There you go. Uh, glug, glug. Before we go out, Mike Rimmers, <sighs> I love Andy Reid. I love him. <laughs> Best coach in the NFL. I think How right now. I, 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 but you just spent all this money on a new offensive line, right? You also have the best quarterback and the best tight end and the best wide receiver, or at least one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. Why Mike Rimmers? Why, why that trick play? My favorite trick play is where the best quarterback in the NFL throws to the best tight end in the NFL for a touchdown. Just keep <laughs> keep doing that. Like, I understand you want to keep teams on their toes and all this, but my understanding was with this new offensive line, you sunk a lot of money, a lot of draft capital, because I guess the money, I think they're 26th in actual cap for the offensive line. So yeah, the, the actual dollars and cents is a lot because you have three rookies on the O-line, right? Right. 
and there's going to be a contract renegotiation, hopefully with Orlando Brown Jr. So I get it. But you spent a lot of capital on this offensive line. Use them. Trust them. Or at least let Mahomes do what Mahomes does. Don't do this little shovel triple option thing to Mike Rimmers, a backup lineman. Maybe, maybe it was uh, too cute. You know, maybe it was, maybe it was a reward, hopeful reward for putting him at left tackle in the Super Bowl (laughs) for the first time and then hanging him out to dry. Everyone in Chiefs Kingdom went from, damn, that Mike Rimmers has been a great sub all season for Mitch Schwartz too. Mike Rimmers, if I ever see that guy again, you know, like he went from like loved to disgusted because of being switched over to that left tackle spot for the Bucks. Anyway, yeah, maybe, maybe it was a little, maybe, maybe Andy just wanted to show him some offensive love on that side. I don't know. You could see Mike Rimmer's eyes light up the second he came out. He's like, oh, baby. Oh, baby. This is coming to me. The Browns knew it was coming. It was just, and I love Andy Reid for his creative genius in his mind. He's, in my opinion, like I said, offensively, his playbook, it's the best in the NFL, but sometimes he can get a little too cute. I would have liked to see with this new offensive line, a little bit more traditional. Again, when you have the best quarterback, the best tight end, you saw it twice, two touchdowns to, to Travis. You know, I you it, want an I formation. You want an I formation no. with Tony Richardson. <laughs> Bring Torres back there. Yeah, that's what I want, and I want Will Shields pulling. Yeah, no, it's just, yeah, I get what you're saying. I, I think most would agree. Some would say, "Well, they won the game, didn't they?" And I, I'm they did, but. Yeah, that's not, that's not, uh, I hate that. I hate that. Uh, well, they won, didn't they? Like, no, that's, that's not okay. Uh, you know, you gotta be able to critique things without just having a, a blanket statement. Let, let's look forward a little bit. Baltimore Ravens, Sunday night football, prime time. Uh, Lamar Jackson versus Patrick Mahomes, John Harbaugh versus Andy Reed, the Sammy Watkins revenge game. There's a lot of storylines here. A lot of big names, a lot of things to like. Are you concerned at all about being on the road at Baltimore in week two? No, it's going to be a good test, but I think the test lies with Baltimore. Until they beat Kansas City, you got to roll with the Chiefs. Not only that, Baltimore is extremely banged up. No Marcus Peters. Uh, They're down to their fourth string running back, which now is at what, Lat Murray? Le'Veon Bell may be getting called up. I think Tyshawn Jackson. I'm drawing a blank on his name. Um of course, because we don't really know who who it is. Right. But but no, I, I'm not worried. I think right now the onus is on the Ravens. They have to get past Kansas City. Until they do, that's on them. Lamar Jackson's a phenomenal talent, obviously. I think the, the Ravens are a very deep, talented team. But until they beat Kansas City, you got to go with the Chiefs, even if they're yeah. in Baltimore. Yeah, I think it's a tired storyline, to be honest. Like three years ago, oh, we're playing the Ravens. 2019, oh, we got to play the Ravens. We got it. Like, let's get up to play the Ravens. 2020, all right, let's get up to play the Ravens. <laughs> 2021, yeah, sure, we'll play the Ravens. No problem. <laughs> right? Like, I just think I think that's the progression. Look, Andy Reid's never lost to the Ravens since he's been here. It's been Mahomes versus Lamar Jackson, three straight games. It hasn't been a problem. Last year was a thorough drubbing. I don't know why this year would suddenly be the year to be concerned. Are the Ravens going to even survive that division? That Steelers defense looks great. 
Joe Burrow looks great. Yeah. The we just talked all about the Browns. The AFC North is gonna be a a uh, whatever I don't know a horror movie to try <laughs> to get out of right. Like whoever makes it out alive is like oh boy you're lucky that's great. So yeah I, I don't know I if you said the Baltimore Ravens wouldn't make the playoffs I'd be like yeah then that wouldn't shock me. Yeah I mean so, I, I think they do. I mean, I, I, I still feel like Baltimore's probably the best team in that division. But are they? I'm not yeah, but I'm not super confident about it. Right. Even the Bengals, who are the worst team in that division, they have a phenomenal core on offense. That offensive line's really bad. The the defense is atrocious. But Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon. I, I mean, they're position group right there that's solid and I, I do like Joe Burrow post game after Jamar Chase just gets done talking Burrow sits down and goes I thought he couldn't catch anything Dude. dead serious didn't even joke about it there was not a laugh at all in the media that's a quarterback having his young wide receiver I mean that's a young quarterback by the way second year oh yeah having yeah. a young rookie wide receivers back that's special uh, Joe Burrow seems like a very good leader. I don't think Cincinnati's good, but they could be tough to beat in a divisional matchup. So, like you said, yeah, I think the Ravens are the best team in that in that division. I but I'm not confident in that assessment. If you said they're going nine and eight this year, I would believe it. I would also believe 10, 11 wins too. Uh, but yeah, I I uh, I just don't know. I guess we'll find out next Sunday. Do you want to offer up an early prediction or too oh. early? Oh, Do, I don't even get to see him play. I got to see him at least play the Raiders first, right? Tonight. Yeah, let's get, let's get through Monday night football tonight. Do we We're have recording to do a little... this before the game? And then, uh, and then we'll let our friends, Patrick Allen and Matt Verderam get, get more in the weeds with the matchup. Yeah. Well, listen for that. Listen to Patrick Allen, Matt Verderam. Maybe me and Matt, Matty C will have to do a little pregame look around as well. I w- I'd be down. We need to do that. We do. Matt just we gave do. me, Matt gave me like, what the bleep are you doing, man? Why are you signing me up for this? <laughs> no, I'm down. I'm down. Let's do it. All right. Well, hey, uh, um, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. You go ahead. No, you go ahead, dude. Let me just say, uh, listeners, we just so appreciate you all. Uh, it's always a pleasure, not only to sit down with my mustachioed friend, Sterling Holmes. He really is a fine individual, you guys. He's just a wonderful man. And uh and and to his girlfriend, if you're listening, let him grow the Raleigh Fingers handlebar-esque. It would look great. Anyway, uh not only is it great to sit down with Sterling, it's great to sit down with all of you. We just so appreciate you listening. Uh if you want to leave us a review, that would be great. Please feel free to ask questions in the comments. Uh, or in the review, we'd love to read them and we'd answer them on the air. Um, otherwise, we'll see you a little bit later this week with our pals, Patrick and Matt V. Uh, my name is Matt Connor. Uh, your name is uh, Sterling Holmes, or just pick a 1980s closer with his mustache. Goose Gossage works. Goose Gossage. Love it. Uh, we're, we're with Arrowhead Addict. We'll see you next week. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, 
as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.